face off, you sloppy. They calling me poppy. I'm rolling in bands, you riding around, and I beat up Jalop. They don't froze on a cop, but they are just not My name is Gavin Quinn, and I am a certified G and a bona fide stud, and you can print that. And this right here, this is Big John Morley, and he's six foot three, and you can print that. Hello and welcome to this week's Action Replay Extra Time Podcast. My name is Ian Brennan and I'm joined by Gavin Quinn, Alex Dunn and Luke Redmond and we're going to talk a little bit about football and Formula 1 as well as the season just finished. But I suppose, uh, first off guys, the midweek fixtures uh, that are happening in Premier League right now. The Well, they were, they were caught, the, by the time the podcast will come out they will have all been played but yeah. as, of, as of now uh, we can only really talk about Tuesday's fixtures so... Uh, I suppose the match of the night really was the was the United Watford match. It was a cracker. Yeah, um, surprisingly enough, Jose Mourinho must have been listening to action replay because I was saying he wasn't scoring enough goals. Yeah, and he scored four last night. We were three 0 up by half time. It was incredible. Although you have to give credit to Watford for the second half comeback. I mean, immediately yeah. it was across seven minutes, but um, you do have to give credit to Watford for the second half comeback, applying the pressure coming out. Um, really playing on the front foot against uh, United not showing them any respect any fear whatsoever they won a penalty uh, Troidini put it away I'd like to Corey that force of nature in Watford's midfield um, making a 3-2 and you know there was a real sense of a, a Hertfordshire Stambul going on but um, <laughs> Hertfordshire Stambul luckily enough Jesse Nathan, how did he even say that <laughs> <laughs> but luckily enough uh, United pulled it out in the end Jesse Lingard with um I don't want to say his best goal in the United Church because his goal in the FA Cup final against um, Crystal Palace was pretty good. But, um, it was pretty good, but I'd say this one's better. Mm. And Ashley Young. Young yeah, yeah, against the same time, club. yeah. Yeah, I was kind of... I was on Twitter at the time and everyone was just tweeting saying, oh, Ashley Young's the best player in the world. What? I was like, what did he do? I Bang still don't know what he did. Stunning free kick from 30 yards for his second goal. Yeah, it was it was incredible. Mm. Like... Uh, and only a few weeks ago, Deli Ali had told him he, he should retire. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous, ridiculous notion. He's back in the and look squad. at Spurs now. He's playing, playing really well. In fairness, Ashley Young, he really has. This has been a real turnaround season for him. Yeah. Um, he's. I don't want to say found himself, but uh, he's been able to revolutionise the way he plays. Um, not in terms of his method of playing, but in terms of his position as a, as a wing back now for United. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting in the Premier League, especially. There's been a lot of players that have been converted to wing backs recently, and they're actually doing quite well. Fabian Delph is another one. Fabian Delph is another one. Probably the best example. What a weird conversion as well. Like who does? Well, I would I would argue that the best example is probably Antonio Valencia. Well, he's, I wouldn't call him recently. He's been playing right back for United for about three years now. Well, yeah, fair. but like, well, he was probably the pioneer of this movement, kind of. And Delph, Delph, uh, Young as well was also playing left back under Van Gaal. James Milner for Liverpool as well. Yeah, I have to think of Victor Moses. Victor Moses from Chelsea, Chelsea is about to say. Yeah. yeah. I think the key elements of what makes a fullback is so different to what made a fullback um, even ten years ago in the game, because where your classic winger role. Essentially, in the game, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, And the ones that are hugging the touchline, the ones that are getting the crosses in, the ones that have to do the heavy lifting and the heavy running are the fullbacks. So if you've got a player who plays in either a wing or a holding midfield role like Delph or or Milner, who have 
good work rate, are decent on the ball, can put in a decent cross. Uh, I know it's a bit of a meme that James Miller can't take a corner, but he can put in a decent cross. <laughs> and have the stamina to run up and down the wing for 90 minutes. That'll serve you better as a fullback than, say, somebody who can defend adequately. The days of having a fullback the likes of Tony Hibbert, where they play like essentially like a third centre back, are, are yeah. gone. Yeah, well, and that's yeah. why you see so many teams now playing with um with a third centre back instead. With a third centre back <laughs> in the team now, not every team needs to play with a third centre back. You look yeah. at Manchester City, but yeah. at the same time, you look at Manchester City and you look at the Real Fernandinho plays. He essentially plays between the lines of defence and midfield yeah. to allow Walker on the right and initially Benjamin Mendy then his unfortunate injury and now Fabian Delph yeah. on the left to have the freedom of the wings essentially yeah. and um, it's interesting to see when people talk about Mohamed Salah um, I know I haven't Liverpool I haven't played they're playing uh, this evening against Stoke they are their way to Stoke uh, at 8 o'clock we do it in a away match to Stoke uh, a lot more teams are doing it uh, nowadays so. <laughs> but um, it's uh. interesting to know that the, so many people are saying oh he's got a fantastic goal scoring record in the Premier League for a winger and Salah, Salah. normally he is named on the as a right winger in a four-three-three. But he, like he does play more. Like but realistically, uh, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. So, Liverpool's yeah. front three are essentially three centre forwards that just fluidly, yeah, move it is, around it is, just it because fluid, of like, like it's because um, Jurgen Klopp doesn't have apart from Daniel Sturridge, who obviously is well and Dominic and out and out striker. He doesn't get nowhere near enough game time. No, he doesn't. Yeah, who? Sorry, Solanke. Solanke, and he gets yeah, about twenty um, minutes he, sometimes. He's a solid player, but I don't think he's he's ready to make that big step up. Um, you know, I think he Liverpool is. are. I, it's. I still think anyway. Missing what they're really missing is a goal scoring striker. Now I know Salah, Salah is, is sort of filling that role as a goal. So scoring. essentially, what every other top club has, like right now, like you know, United have Lukaku. Are you sure? Well, we'll say, but sure? a, a striker, like an out and out striker. Yeah, one striker one like Pierre Emerick Aubameyang would yeah. complete Liverpool's team because it's exactly. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, this is like is being able to play four two three one. Yeah. Well, can yeah, I make I've the point? Can I make the point that Sadio Mane can just take you for that Aubameyang role? Because Aubameyang started out as a winger as well, much like Mane did uh, at um, Mane played, um, you know, Mane played at times as a as a second centre forward in a four four two at Southampton. As I don't well, think so. Mane will ever develop into a striker. Klopp will never have that development happen. I like. I don't think Klopp will want him uh, to develop when, into when a striker. When Mane played for Saint Etienne, he did play as a striker, like, uh, he, and he and he kind of developed into a winger and then back into back a striker. into a striker. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I think yeah. he was actually whereas Mane's always been really. Uh, a left or right wing so what about Mohamed Salah then considering he his could, that there is the potential there that's a good point I think there is the potential for Salah to develop into a striker because yeah. he has uh, the, all he's missing is just to get to nail on that finishing and it's improving with every goal he scores and maybe he is Liverpool's next star striker because he's the first player I think since Suarez to score 15 goals for Liverpool in the season Yeah, it's not even Christmas that's ridiculously good so you know hopefully you now against Stoke Knight it's an opportunity because Tottenham Faltered uh, Leicester. Yeah. yeah, Klopp who has done some job at Leicester since he's come in, and he I know really everybody has. kind of yeah. criticised initially, like, oh, well, Jesus. I thought that it was an absolute disgrace that he got sacked because they finished eighth last year, and I know they That's only got just to say, like, yeah, in case nobody... we'd say Southampton, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that he got the sack because I thought that was incredibly unfair, and Saints fans were unhappy, but I think it was the points tally they were unhappy with. I think they'd only gotten in the forties. It was the style of football, I think, as well. But at the end of the day, with the electric football that Mauricio Pochettino is producing at Tottenham. It's going to take a step down. But you look at Klopp, well, he's a guy who's won uh, Ligue 1 with, I believe, Monaco. He's been there, thereabouts with Paris Saint-Germain and with uh, Lille, Paris Saint-Germain before the money. 
I'm with Lille Forward and money. I believe one of the other big clubs might be Nantes might be Lyon I'm not entirely sure Yeah. yeah. Uh, although PSG might be in one of the not entirely sure I know we definitely managed Monaco to the title and I know we definitely managed Lille to Champions League group stages against United actually yeah. we know there is we took them off the pitch that was Claude Puel so like he's got a fair decent whack of experience at the top level and I 100% agree with you Southampton fans you know as much as Mauricio Pellegrino can give them a aesthetically more pleasing type of football, defensively, they're nowhere near as good as they were last season. And just to further that point, we know the Leicester team is a good team. There's still great players in that team, you know, like Riyad Mahrez and Jamie Vardy. Like Both of them scored goal. last night. I need to look yeah. at Mahrez's goal, a little deft flick over yeah. um, Lloris. And like he's got the in. talent, he just needs somebody maybe to bring the best out of him, like... Shakespeare was never going to be the right option for Leicester and the only reason he got Well he was the right option realistically they're in the top six in terms of points earned since he took over when he got sacked It doesn't matter I think it was the reaction of the Leicester players to seeing Ranieri go and they wanted to prove themselves because they got such a rough time for basically being the reason he was sacked Um, I think it was kind of inevitable that they were going to hit a slump after winning the league But the thing is is that like at the end of the day Craig Shakespeare had them in a position table where the owners don't want the team to be and as much as you can throw out as many statistics about points gained over a calendar year or whatever yeah. football increasingly so in the modern game is becoming a series of what have you done for me lately cases and if Craig Shakespeare True. is not fulfilling those rolling objectives then a new man has to be brought in he didn't have the experience of a managerial experience to, to take a team like Leicester mm. for a full season is all well and good taking over yeah. you know, making an initial impact and bringing them back up the table that was fine but when you have to go through a summer of transfers when you have to G a squad back up after for pre-season for a full season when you have to compete in loads of cup competitions um, like Leicester have to because obviously they wouldn't have been in as many cup competitions when uh, he took over last season from Ranieri so once all that comes on top of Shakespeare there was always the possibility he was going to get overwhelmed I think he did and I think it was sensible to bring in somebody experienced somebody who has who knows what kind of football they want to play in Claude Puel so I, I actually think the Leicester owners were dead yeah. right in, in, no, no, in, in saying that um, it wasn't a it was it, it was in many ways a classic Leicester performance considering they only had 37% possession but yeah. they did get quite lucky excuse me um, Christian Eriksen missed from 6 yards out Harry Kane missed from yeah. 12 yards out Fernando Llorente missed from about <laughs> I don't know closer somewhere in between anyway right at the death of the game he's just stabbed the ball with his toe directly over the bar um, so and Harry Kane scored as well don't forget we well yeah I mean, I, mean to, I mean to equalise again so um, you know it, it's it's um, it wasn't as if Leicester dominated the game but then again like Luke said they're not set up to dominate the game and if that style of play suits them all well and good let's keep going because they're on a decent run of momentum and it's been very quiet but kind of like Eddie Howe Bournemouth as well um, mm. recently where they've just Leicester have just they've just dragged themselves away from trouble they've been going about their business no headline grabbing performances <coughs> like Marco Silva or Watford or anything like that but they're in a solid position now and they can kick on in the new year much like Bournemouth can now as yeah. well thankfully they're out of trouble because I know Bournemouth are, have a lot of uh, the sweet spot in the hearts of a lot of uh, uh, Irish football fans yeah, yeah. another one would be um, Brighton who played out a rather dull and drab nil nil draw with Crystal Palace it looks like Roy Hodgson is finally starting to get something going with Crystal Palace mm. it's slowly but surely yeah 
it looks like they're they're still not playing great football. They're still not scoring enough goals. They're still bottom of the table. They've a, they're still bottom of the they've table. They've a lot of work to do to claw themselves back I, up. It look like it's kind of like the the gears are starting to turn at last. Maybe I could be wrong, and they could go on a horrific run of form. And I know they have pretty tricky Christmas, if I'm not mistaken. I um, suppose to their benefit as well, Swansea are still struggling terribly. Yeah, mm, and yeah. Everton as well. Yeah, well, of course, yeah. Everton, the sad or happy, depending on who you support, case of Everton Football <laughs> Club, they are they're in a bad spot. Uh, they're playing against West Ham tonight. They are. It's like the what battle of the struggling <laughs> clubs. It's um, it's an exciting. It's the one I'm most looking forward to seeing who wins from. Yeah. And Liverpool are playing tonight. And all I'm a Liverpool fan. Yeah, it's 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 such a it's such a fascinating tie because it's, I I I literally it's the game of the two clubs that have no manager are doing terrible in the league probably should be mid table at least uh, and both have home grounds that they're not really happy with uh, you know I think it's, it's a bit disrespectful to David Moy saying that he, he isn't a manager <laughs> yeah poor poor David is <laughs> poor just David. <laughs> poor David um, yeah you know it, there it's a curious case where you like. Any, I suppose, armchair manager, for lack of a better phrase, could go in and pick a reasonably decent side out of both Everton and West Ham because they both do have a wealth of options. Oh, the they club. do, yeah. But hey. the problem is, is that finding and nailing down that best starting eleven. No, um, and I'm probably being horrifically disrespectful to Rafael Benitez when I say this, but um, using thirty players across the season isn't going to get you anywhere reasonably decent in the league. So. What Everton and what Everton and West Ham need to do is go in and figure out their best 11s because Slavin Bilic did not know what his best 11 was and Ronald Koeman did not know what his best 11 was. So that's what David Moyes' first objective has to be is, okay, hasn't been a great start, you know, uh, it was like one point from six or whatever from his first his opening two games. Just figure out what your best team is and go from there. And whoever takes the Everton job, Sam Allardyce or Martin O'Neill or Paolo Fonseca or whoever it's going to be, Get in there, find out who your best eleven is, and just kick on. Nobody would have thought that Everton would have to come to this the Sam Allardyce stage. It's almost like that, like button you press, like you kind of when you're sitting in, you, yeah. you just sacked your manager, you're in the bottom like five teams, and you're kind of going. They are the sixteenth. Quick, press the Sam Allardyce button, yeah. bring him in, and then he just like saves you. But you can only play the Sam Allardyce card once in your history. And Speaking then that's of playing the Sam Allardyce card. We've had a bit of breaking news while we've been in the studio. Uh, two minutes ago, um, West Bromwich Albion have released a statement and they've announced Alan Pardew as their new manager. Yeah. So Ooh. if you've got if you've got the big red button as Sam Allardyce, I guess the big orange button beside it is Alan Pardew. <laughs> if you can't get Allardyce, press the Pardew And then button. you'll press the big yellow button for Tony Pulis. They've just got the either. instructions over it. It's like... Um, Warning, do not press if you want good football. Yeah, I mean, in, fair, in fairness, uh, Alan Pardew to West Brom was almost a certainty from a few weeks back. In this yes, day. yeah, yeah. I mean, Interesting to see him back managing in the Premier League. Uh, it's probably his longest absence, even though it wasn't a very long one. I love, well, I, I personally West, love Alan Pardew. West Ham to, um, where'd he go? He went to Sunderland, sorry, Southampton after West Ham, so there was a, there was a longer absence there. Didn't get in West Ham, going down with West Ham in 06. And, no, he didn't go down with West Ham in 06, he kept him up. But between West Ham and uh, Southampton, there was a longer absence because he took over Southampton, not in the Premier League. Yeah, but he's he had a good long run when he was, you know, from when he was at Newcastle onward, he had pretty, pretty. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Once oh, he got yeah. back up, yeah, yeah. yeah that, this was his one, like, kind of. This was his longest break in a yeah, while. I mean, in a, in a while, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely speaks to something about Pardew's credentials and his and his ability that you know he doesn't stay away from the Premier League that long. 
regardless of what okay he might start off well at the club and then it'll drop off because you know maybe he doesn't change tactics or bring in new players you know other teams around and figure figure he, out he, is, he does go stale quite quickly Pardew it's kind of like he, when he comes in initially like yeah. like we saw Crystal Palace there was this huge sort of they played great football it, it was really good for like 18 months and then I don't know it just kind of it's like it's like his it, he goes stale it goes off yeah sure it was the same in Newcastle where you had the, the build of a rise of Alan Pardew and then it was a perfect storm of elements that could have led to like a Leicester-esque title win if yeah. they had kept it going um, because they finished what fifth that season fifth, yeah. and yeah. if they had kept their momentum up but that momentum had <laughs> already begun to, that momentum had already begun to trail off towards the end of that year and then obviously by the by the time um, the next 18 months rolled around he wasn't even there so um, yeah it's it's an it's an interesting one because West Brom obviously have a lot of they've a lot of good players to play a certain style of football you know they've got a lot of physical um, I don't want to say brutish because like that does a disservice to the ability on the ball that the likes of Salomon Rondon and yeah. Greg Oskarczyk and James McLean naturally and uh, and Matt Phillips as well but <laughs> um, you know they've got a lot of players that can play a certain style of football really well and that will hopefully sue Alan Pardew but what's yeah. interesting to me is that um, his mean, first game presuming he takes charge of his first game on Saturday Crystal Palace yeah <laughs> interesting. It, interesting interesting his, I mean, his, the club in his heart uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, 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 it's kind of interesting you were saying oh they have the play I mean you saw you know Rondon obviously is a very skillful player and he's he's capable mm. of um, of much more than just a target man I think he's one of the most undervalued players in the Premier League yeah, I, I, I would say these. He came in for a hefty, hefty fee, not as well, didn't he? He came in for like, I think it, it wasn't that. It wasn't that hefty. No, it no, wasn't no. that hefty. I think it was low teens, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, it was like fourteen. Yeah, yeah. The thing still, is, it's still big me, enough for like a club like West Brom, though. He reminds know? me a lot of um, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, funnily enough, he does, where yeah. uh, the physical side of his and to a lesser extent Peter Crouch. I think Rondon physically is more like Hasselbank. He's as tall as Crouch, and he's got a big. Yeah. For lack of better phrasing, he's got a massive arse like Jimmy Floyd Hasselbeck <laughs> did back yeah. in the day. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, and, and, and it kind of belies his, um, both his ability on the ball and his ability to tuck away absolute screamers when I he think it is to. a Pardew kind of team. I think it's the kind of team you look at and you go, yeah, you've got a good striker, a good physical striker, you know, kind of like a, your Demba Ba. A, lo- front a lot of hard working midfielders. Hard working midfielders. Kachowiak, yeah. uh, Matt Phillips, um, Chris Brunt, Darren Fletcher. A lot of hard working players in that. Like side. it's like it's it's a, like it, Alan Pardew. I, I couldn't think of a manager who plays more like six point five out of ten football. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. It's yeah. just such. He's, you know he's gonna you know they're not gonna play awful football but they're not gonna play great football either it's like no. you know what, 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 what your Sunday league managers. manager would be <laughs> the James Milner of managers that's yeah. the but perfect you know but then they've got a solid it. back four Ahmed Agazi's been incredibly impressive since he comes to the Premier League yeah. Johnny Evans look at the end of the day as much as we made a joke about the fact he was linked to Man City there's a reason Alex Ferguson kept him at United for so long there's a reason Man City wanted him he did he's also a, score an own goal last night but yeah <laughs> <laughs> no I no, I agree with you like, there is a reason and then Alan Neom is you know uh, quite uh, you know he, he fits the prototype of your your average everyday Premier League fullback yeah, very much so quite, quite physical as well which will suit, which will suit Pardew down lads they're hardly in danger of getting relegated I don't think they are 17th in the league so I, think I know but we were, we were making the big orange button but, but I think a lot of clubs panic over oh we're 17th now but yeah they but yeah, yeah when you look at it you win three game, two or three games in a row and you're up to bleeding ninth, 10th place I wouldn't be worrying if I was West Brom no. yet Yet, that's, yeah, that's a I think thing. I think if they are still hovering seventeenth after Christmas, because I think this is going to be one of the most important Christmas periods since thirteen fourteen. 
When yeah, we were saying this whole, on Monday as well, yeah. where like there's so many clubs in danger of going down this like, year. Look, yeah. you could look at somebody like Liverpool. If they lose the next three games, they could be sitting like 15th in the league. Like mm-hmm. that's that. This is how. Like that's why Tottenham's poor form is alarming for Tottenham because. Tottenham can just drop fall. off so free, easily. Yeah. The free fall is there. Yeah, Tottenham are already. They've uh, already got cut adrift slightly, haven't they're, they? They're One M. Fifth, there's they're eight points off United. That's yeah. a that's, that's a big gap, which puts them um, yeah uh, thirteen points off City at the moment. At the moment, uh, yeah, yeah, one like you, you take for example, if you want to use West Brom as your example, one victory for West Brom brings them up to to twelfth. If hypothetically no other games are played, yeah, they jump ahead of Newcastle in twelfth. So from Newcastle, and I guess you you might as well include uh, Southampton, Brighton, and Leicester in that bracket as well. From Watford down, from the top eight, um, because Watford are grand. So from them yeah, down, yeah. it's. It's a real maelstrom of if you go on a bad run at the bad time, then God only knows what's going to happen to you. What and about the fascinating uh, possibility that Burnley could go ahead of Tottenham? I was about to say if Burnley pick up three points tonight, they um they drop they go up to twenty five points and could potentially leapfrog Liverpool really? as well. They, they will going, leapfrog yeah. Liverpool, Tottenham, and uh, they'll go level on points with Arsenal. And if they win by six goals, they'll beat Arsenal. They're Bournemouth away. Ooh, Ooh, that's, that's an intriguing contest. Then, yeah. Alternatively, if Bournemouth win. They could go ninth for yeah. fourteen. So you can see the pre- This is a really tight Premier yeah. table um, for four after fourteen games because normally you expect uh, like six, 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 six teams to pull away. That's what I was saying. It's the most. It's probably one of the most exciting Premier League seasons so far that does not involve the title race. Well, yeah. it is, it Nobody really cares about the title race so far. There is because well, there, there is the, no title race right a, now. You were saying about the top six, so I mean there is a top eight. Like Burnley and Watford are latching on to the traditional top six at the moment. Yeah, but you look they're at doing it, a very yeah. good job of it. You look yeah. at though. Leicester only four points behind Watford you know Watford lose their next game Leicester wins suddenly you know oh yeah yeah of course you know, yeah, it, yeah, it can yeah. close up again but okay there's a there's there's a defined top eight I suppose at the moment mm. but anybody could break into that after Christmas because there's going to be so many games one after the other yeah yeah. so I, w- I would be looking at that table thinking wow like anything could happen Man United lose two games on the spin and suddenly they're, they're they drop off a bit Southampton yeah. could beat City something Huddersfield did a very good job of keeping City out for forty three minutes. Yeah, I feel, did, I, feel, yeah. I feel like I feel like there's the only team realistically that are in actual any sort of decent form at the moment are Chelsea. Because City, although they're still winning games, they haven't been playing as well and you know, it could only just be a matter of time before it could only just be a matter of time before they uh, before they lose a couple of games on the spin. You know, yeah. something yeah. like Southampton, if they take them too lightly, could very easily go against them. It's, uh, it's interesting the way Sky Sports have been plugging the rhetoric of 15 years of the Premier League's most competitive league ever, and it really didn't ring true until, I guess, Leicester won the league. But, yeah. you know, now we've got a, a situation where... And I get, you can you can kind of say it's being replicated in, in other leagues across Europe, but there's a lot of clubs... Mm. Simply doing the right things, keeping themselves, keeping their heads down, keeping themselves well run, and they're getting into very good positions. Burnley and Watford are—I know Watford sacked a lot of managers, but yeah. they actually are an incredibly well run club. Look, Silva uh, is 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 a prospect for a future Premier League winning manager because what he has done with that Watford team has been versus last season has been nothing short of a miracle. Mm. Yeah, because they were they were they were, were horrendous last year, and I had tipped them to be in a relegation fight. How wrong was I? Marco Silva comes in and does a superb job. Yeah. Um, the thing is with Watford that there's such a revolving door of players that it's like oh, oh Jesus they they're, they're changing too much they're chopping and changing too much this is going to be the year and I would I would agree with you at the start of the season when I would have said too much transition is going to lead to 
a lack of familiarity with the Premier League is going to lead to them getting relegated. But you know, ultimately, uh, you have you have to you have to put it down to the the way the manager has been able to work with the players and the strategy above the board as well. Because so many people criticise um, bringing in players like a, a wealth of players from different leagues, like plucking the top eleven players from the next eleven leagues below the Premier League, making a team out of it, and it never works or whatever. It does if you have a strategy behind it. Aston Villa buying half a Liga didn't work. Um, yeah. Swansea, oh, no. Swansea, Swansea buying the best player of every middling um, Spanish division, uh, La Liga side. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. If you have a strategy behind Meet it. Meet you. Meet you, I was about to say. Uh, yeah, uh, Roque Mesa, so there you go. Yeah, but what I actually love, what I think is the best Premier League story in a very long time is, is. the story of Sean Dyke and Burnley because he got relegated with them and he proved that if you stick with your manager and and, 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 and the style and, and a plan yeah. Yeah. he believed in what he was doing and he told the Burnley board I believe I can get us back into the Premier League yeah. they trusted him he delivered the goods so it shows that both can work the choppy changey all over the place style of Watford or the super stable one bit at a time building block style of Burnley but the key is is that Watford it's not, it's been choppy changey because they changed managers but everything behind that the scouting system the, yeah. the you know a, yeah. a it's only it's on the, everything on the surface so it's only choppy changey just the because of the transfers managers bringing in their own players and stuff like yeah, that yeah but the thing is is that with Watford because they've been able like they've been putting in the building blocks behind this season for like the past three years and they've built up such a successful they've, they've, they've got oh, one of the, the best mid-level scouting networks it's like you know one of them is like there's a swimming pool with Burnley you know it's like flat and perfect and scenic uh, on the surface but you know underneath it's it's also pretty stale and then the other one is like the ocean where for, for Watford where you know the top the waters are choppy and changey but underneath you know solid earth you know they're both they're both on solid foundations just the difference of approaches the key is the just top, having a plan the, the key is just having a plan it's as simple as that and you look at Everton for example what was the plan yeah, yeah. this summer and I, we no all plan. went mental about oh they've had such a great transfer window no pundit in the world and I'm going to include all four of us in this if you want to generously call us pundits um, <laughs> were able to say well how are they going to fill all these players onto the pitch they're not going to play six centre midfielders are they do you know what I mean yeah. like what was the planning behind Ronald Koeman's splurge did he have players a were available Ste- and the money was there and that was all that that was effectively yeah what did Ronald Koeman think he was going to do what did Steve Walsh think Ronald Koeman was going to do with all these players and so on and so forth what's been the plan since they sacked him there clearly hasn't been one since they've gone a month without a manager and David Unsworth has got them were, he, I know he was going to play 3-3-3-1 that, that was the plan. The three, 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 one. <laughs> the old, uh, the old Bielsa. Yeah, we'll get him over from Lille. They just need. They're, they're, they're in the relegation zone, so uh, three, 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 one isn't working. <laughs> they were hurt badly by Seamus Coleman. I know it's a bit biased, but they were hurt they badly were hurt by badly losing by Seamus, Seamus Coleman, Coleman, Ross Barkley, and Yannick Balassi. Three yeah. players who I feel would still far. walk into the Tottenham team if all three of them were fit. Yeah. yeah. And like, like I don't mean to like criticize like a young player, but John Joe Kenny's not been up to standard. Uh, replacing mm. James Coleman on the right hand side. Mason Holgate's been better, but he hasn't been able to play the game time. But Mason Holgate should probably be playing in the middle because there's a chronic lack of pace in the team at the moment at the yeah. middle. Because you have to play either one of Ashley Williams or Phil Jagielka beside Michael Caine, and that's just not working. Ashley Williams has turned in some of the worst performances I've seen him turn in in maybe ever in the Premier League. It's yeah. yeah. like they bought him a year too late or something. Um, essentially, the yeah. bottom money is past his prime. And essentially, like, yeah. Williams, uh, like it's an astounding drop off rate because you know it hasn't. I don't want to say it's been there for Wales because he is still one of Wales' leading lights, but like you know, 
Jayelk has been in decline for a good couple of years now. Williams yeah. is, I guess, he's over his peak. Michael Keane is a fine Premier League defender, but he, he, he's now a match-winning Premier League defender. Yeah. No. And they have a chronic lack of pace in that back line. I will, I will tell and Holgate's sitting on the bench. I don't want to like go after Mason Holgate, but that's one thing that they're missing in terms of like a key. Do we know what our best team is? How many times has Morgan Schneiderlin floated in and out with that lineup? How many times has um, Kevin Morales barely used at the yeah. start? Aaron now, Lennon Oldworth is plays still him in every game. Started. Aaron yeah. Lennon plays in every game. What's he done? Uh, I, I would say in Everton's defence, their their injury list is one that would probably like most of these players are getting. Like James McCarthy, we forget about him. We forget oh, James he's, McCarthy. He's solid. Funes Mori in the back. Mm. Looked like yeah. he had a good season last year. Ross Barkley, we've mentioned Seamus Cole, Coleman, Balassi, and uh, uh, Nias's band. So yeah, I mean, you think about who's like, there been... are a lot of there are a lot of players yeah. that aren't getting into that team. Yeah, but even still, the lineups they're putting out they don't have form- a plan. They change the formation all the time. So the only player who's played like who've been consistently on the team sheet in the same position in regardless of formation or form Jordan, is uh, Jordan Pickford. And Andres Gay, yeah. yeah. Because Dominic Calvert Lewin's been a consistent feature, but he's played on the wing, he's played up top, he's played left yeah. inside forward, he's played attacking midfield. And you've also had Michael Keane switch from a back three to a back four consistently. Leighton Baines has been in and out, and the rest of them, it's just kind of throw all the names up and see where they land, seemingly. Yeah, so. yeah, that's fair. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit hectic. And, you know, they need to get, I'd say if they got, I think, I know you're all about oh, pressing the right button, but the sooner they get Sam Allardyce in, the better. I say for them because he'll he'll get a solid system he'll get a solid starting 11 and mm. he'll bring a bit of stability to the game Adonis is the Ron Seal of Premier League football he <laughs> exactly does what he says on, on the, the team. team he's going to come in he's going to play super solid rock solid football and that's just it he'll, he'll keep them safe play they'll the percentage play, or something play the percentages they'll, they'll go into the sports lab for like a week and we'll analyse the absolute you know what out of them to make sure that everybody's effective and will emphasise throw-ins and corners because, you know, like Allardyce in fairness, like his style of football belies the preparation that goes into it. He's, like, he's, he's a great football in mind. He'll make a great mm. director of football if he was ever given that job. Mm. But he, he, unfortunately, you know, he's kind of stereotyped in the same way that the likes of um, uh, managers of his ilk from that time are. But Allardyce was... You know, I won't say he's a revolutionary like Arsene Wenger, but like he was the first one to really bring statistics into the fold when it, when it came to scouting for players. At the end of the day, I feel for Allardyce because he he rarely gets great players to work with. At Everton, maybe he will be different because yeah, he's got a he's got talents. a like, very look, high standard of players. With England, he didn't play the Allardyce way really for the very short time he was manager. The one match, the one match. <laughs> the one match. I, I remember that game though, and I remember watching. I remember people, the England players. We're saying in training, oh no, no, he's not. He's not the. He's not all this, you know, super solid, all cracked up to be yeah, yeah. football. It was sure. like Both. he was gonna. He was gonna get his chance to finally play good football, or potentially, mm. if he becomes Everton manager, he'll have that chance again with with talents like Gilby Sigurdsson, with yeah. players like Ross Barkley when he's fit, Balassi when oh, he's fit. Oh, uh, if he can coax Ross Barkley back into the team, that's that's the True. key issue. Yeah. They do need him in the midfield, and yeah, it's probably the best team I've had to work with since like when he first got Bolton promoted. And that was 2002-3, so that's a lot... Or sorry, 1-2, my apologies. So that's a long stretch of, you know, Sunderland, Newcastle, etc., etc., where... Blackburn. 
Blackburn as well. Oh, well, he did a good he, job he, with Blackburn, though. Yeah, he, he had a we couple of good players at Blackburn. He had Rocky Santa Cruz, Benny McCarthy, you know, those those sort of players. He also like had an ageing, uh, far, 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 far past prime Michelle Salgado, who did yeah. next to nothing in it. And, and stayed with them in the championship, funnily enough, under Steve Keane. He had, like, Tunchai, Paul Robinson, those sort of players. He also had two guys, though. Yeah, Patterson as well. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no, t- two guys. The one I want. Tonchai is the Turkish striker playing for Middlesbrough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's in- it, it'll be interesting if he comes in though. But tonight it really is an important game against West Ham, and I think if they win tonight, everything. I I'm looking at David Moyes thinking, geez, he's already he's already under the cosh, like, and he's only three games in. Yeah, three but defeats. Yeah, yeah. But, but then again, I think uh, a loss might be a blessing because if they win, the board might be tempted to keep Unsworth on as manager. So. I don't think the board are going to be I don't think the board no, I, I don't think see that. nine goals in two games conceded I, I just can't see it Atalanta have been dead average in Serie A this season they pumped five past them with Andreas yeah. Cornelius up front <laughs> he, did, he couldn't even get it he can't even get it to the Denmark team really, you know so. it took Andreas Cornelius four years to finally score in England remember he joined remember he joined Cardiff Cardiff yeah yeah, for, yeah, yeah, yeah most yeah. people don't because he did nothing <laughs> <coughs> he cost him a fortune at the time as well. Ah, for what he did. For what he did. Was that the Malcolm Kyer that he joined? Uh, no, was there. Or was, was Malcolm Kyer the manager in the Premier League? He was, wasn't he? he was, yeah, 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 it was. Yeah, it was yeah, Malcolm Kyer. In that era where they like. They yeah. wore red for a season, they've yeah. gone oh, back. Yeah, that's God. what I thought. Oh, Vincent Tan, the absolute lunatic. <laughs> yeah, that's it was that season. What yeah. a season yeah. where Suarez Stephen Colker became. Stephen Colker scored against Swansea, and that was enough to convince Liverpool to take him on as a striker. Yeah, anyway, um, yeah, yeah. Atalanta are currently sitting tenth in the Serie. A. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're not as good as they were last season when they finished sixth. You know, yeah, yeah. making mincemeat of supposed Premier League establishment. You know, that's. Yeah, and I won't mm. say Atalanta aren't Serie A establishment, but you look at the money spent over. Like, what was it? The statistic was Everton spent more in one summer than Atalanta have in ten years. Do yeah, you know what I mean, it's, like it's. Yeah. It just goes to show how how, how wrongly things yeah, have gone and, since and the, the year. Premier League is supposed to be at the moment streaks ahead of Serie A. So yeah. yeah. Based well, on that, in fairness, Papu Gomez or even Cornelius walking to the Everton Everton team at the moment, such as how shot of confidence they are. Mm, yeah. Now I did pick out their two strikers, which is another problem with Everton. We could be here all day. We could be, be here. All day. We could be we, here we, all day. We touched on Manchester City against Southampton. That could have a lot of goals. That could have a lot of goals. It could have a lot of goals. Yeah, because City, well, like their defense is probably their weakest part, and that's not really saying a lot, but. Uh, they're they're a lot weaker without. It goes to show how well Guardiola is in terms of individual man coaching because the revolution that John Stones has gone on since yeah. he's come under. And I, but he's I, a, such a Guardiola player, like he's such a good. Uh, ball he is, yeah, and yeah. you're looking at Otamendi against uh, Huddersfield, and Otamendi's trying these absolute worldly passes that John Stones could pull off, and Otamendi's come in trying to play the same role. He's booting into Rosehead, like do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. it goes to show that like, they are quite reliant on him. And without him, like I don't want to say, like Otamendi is a very good Premier League defender. And Vincent Company has regressed, but he's still a very good Premier League defender. But their linchpin centre half is John Stones. Like, do fear for them a little bit on the counter, but are Southampton even going to get the opportunity to do that? Is is another factor. Yeah, I mean, it, it's either going to go one or two ways. It's going to be a very very close game. Southampton are going to frustrate and try and hit on the counter with God forbid Charlie Austin on the pace that he possesses. Charlie um, Austin did have a very very good game against Everton well I mean it's it's not hard to have a very very good game against Everton these yeah, days but I mean, he's, he's, um, he's scored two, he scored two identical goals but the uh, yeah. I mean if you have someone like you know James Ward-Prowse you know maybe set Nathan Redmond or someone with a bit of Sofiane Buffal Sofiane Buffal like just have them playing a little bit more centrally put them in behind Otamendi mm. or a company or whoever's playing play Ward-Prowse at the 10 that could sort you out 
Yeah. And yeah, it could it, or the other way it could be is that City win like five nil. Yeah, I actually think think this is going to be like a 3-2 either way Yeah, City are starting to kind of slow down a little bit They haven't been dominating as much in the last two or three games Playing under Guardiola is very demanding Lots of passing Of course um, Very high tempo High high tempo, high pressure Like Now the best managers are the ones that are the most demanding But it depends on whether or not But it's their first season really not the first season. Fully, fully, season. fully implemented this system. First season where he's really got them going. In yeah, imp- this way. he's fully implemented a system now, and you can see that obviously given their what they must be. I can five I have points clear. Five points with a game in hand. With a game in hand, so it's eight. Yeah, but well, if they win, well, if they win. Um, yeah, they've gone on a ridiculous winning streak. Like, where, what, what was the game that they drew? Everton. <laughs> Everton <laughs> like Guardiola must be looking at the, uh, he'll be at the end of the season probably with the Premier League trophy gone yeah what a gra- Everton yeah like that was at the start of the season and they've won every game since yep 12 they're 12 0 and 1 if we're going by the old uh, UFC yeah. record yeah yeah uh, Ronald Coleman just sitting oh yeah still got that with City, yeah. <laughs> uh, in fairness, it's we, a tough Christmas period now. So, can we briefly touch on Arsenal and Huddersfield as well? Considering yeah, now, you know, Before resolute defensive performance from Huddersfield for the majority of that game. I think that's, they that's, can do a job. That's at the a, that's got Was that in Aaron Mui derby? The Aaron Mui derby, yeah. That's the one. Yeah. He, or Moy, Moy. It was weird actually. I, was <laughs> I prefer Mui. I was talking. I was. I was talking to me. I was actually watching that game with my granddad in my nan's house, and I was like. They were bigging up how much oh, Aaron Moy, he's come back from City and he's going he to get them a game for City. Like, yeah, he, yeah, he played for City. He played for Melbourne City. He didn't play for, he like, play he, for Manchester he moved, City. He moved to Manchester City like four days later. He was gone to Huddersfield and yeah. just never came back. Never came back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So um, they are a team that can definitely you know, do a job. And Arsenal's performance level have improved because... Arsene Wenger's finally figured out hey I'm going to play my three best attacking players at once and it's going to work other than he didn't against Burnley and they nearly nicked it yeah I think Arsenal uh, Arsene Wenger has sort of you know he's, he's kept the, qui- the critics quiet for a couple of weeks yeah. time being uh, the last month I think Arsenal playing de- decent football mm-hmm. but you always feel they're only Two losses away from another crisis. From another banger out yeah, crisis. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it just kind of. It never it, goes away. Really. It feels like he's just really just trying to appease the fans, you know? Yeah, it, it, With, like bringing in Alexander Lacazette. It just feels like he was just doing that to shut the fans up, really. And then he doesn't even play him. He uh, doesn't even exactly. But he started. That's that's the, the the reason. Arguably, you know, the one change that's that's Carwin Sider with their running form is now most games they're actually playing Ozil Sanchez and Lacazette together. Look what well, happens. Let's be honest. And, uh, great I mean, Giroud well. is a better player, or at least is the player he wants to play. He's play. He is playing Lacazette to keep people happy, and maybe he's finally realised. Oh. He's actually better. Than Hold on, Lacazette's actually decent. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Giroud is not the best player That's in the world. That's not discount my boy, Danny Welbeck. Love a bit of Danny Welbeck. Who, who, who has in the past on the finger started on the right hand side of midfield. Mm, yeah. Which I think is just a complete waste of him. Yeah, you might as well play him up front. Like he, yeah. he is, yeah. he's a good. And and the thing with Welbeck is like he's actually a pretty good uh, distributor of the ball. Like he can actually play as a re- decent target man. Yeah. And he's got more pace than Giroud. But Giroud is obviously a far superior goal scoring record. But is like is that the superior player to the pair of them? Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. there's, there's no yeah. way around it. So I could um, see I could see Huddersfield going to I think it's in the Emirates, isn't it? It's in the Emirates. Yeah. yeah I, if they go there, one, and win that game or, or 
you know, you, you you do feel that Arsenal are, you know, again that it's it's like it's like you know they're always Up tipping on the edge yeah, of, yeah, mm. of some some sort of crisis. You know, All big Laurent de Poitre needs to do is build up a little momentum, run over Nacho Monreal, and Monreal. Monreal's been really good this season. I don't mind picking on him. Maybe it's just because he's small, but um, yeah, or or they could play Kalasnat, in which case that's definitely not going to work. Oh gee, oh, I'd love to see De Poitre and Kalasanac just run full pace and just hit. That might up. actually like end the universe. <laughs> like they might actually collide, and, like like split an atom, and it'd be like some sort of nuclear explosion. They, they don't just, need to yeah, do that yeah, in we, Switzerland we under the ground. Co- they're gonna do it in the Emirates. Just a big black hole in the middle of the Emirates. <laughs> Tom Ince is just there. What happened? Like, well, Hunter ran into Klasnich and that is that is a heavyweight belt. I want to see Francis and Ganu <laughs> against uh, <laughs> Real Madrid. <Francis laughs> <Francis and Ganeau. laughs> <laughs> Laurent Gardo <laughs> kept slipping oh, them. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, constantly. Anyway, we've yeah, suppose, we've we finally um, seen a, re- a return oh, to overtaking like that. All we need now is three equally balanced cars or as close to equal as they can possibly get. I think that's my cue to the leave front, now, lads. And we are in my expertise in Formula One, one extent to the fact that I know that Lewis Hamilton won this year, did he? And I thought Lewis Hamilton won last year, so yeah, not good. No, no, actually, Mark's there. Power with Mercedes next year. And Red Bull won't be too far behind either. Yeah, it's Red Bull. This season's been a big. No, not quite yet. Aston Martin are coming back. I hear though. 2021 yeah. yeah when they might introduce new engine regs or they might not I think well, Aston Martin saying they're coming back in is in a in a, an effort kind of to convince Liberty Media to say look outside manufacturers will come in if you switch the engine regs but in saying that the team that have been the most vocal opponents of switching the engine regs are of course Red Bull no, uh, no, no, sorry, vocal um, supporter. Oh, supporter is Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, uh, I, I Ferrari got Ferrari are dead against it, though. Ferrari are dead against it. Because they've sunk so much money into trying to recover in the hybrid era. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they don't want their... The, the new engine regs are basically designed to make the engines cheaper, yeah. which is a disadvantage to Ferrari, who have the biggest capital. Exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I guess the Aston Martin deal is basically trying to illustrate to Liberty Media look there will be more than three four engines on the grid if you're able to simplify these down whether or not it's, it's just a PR stunt from Horner testing Ferrari testing Liberty Media I, I don't know but um, yeah there is it, a balance there to be found though I think there is a way to convince Ferrari to change the regulations to make the engines number one louder mm-hmm. number one back to an era of slightly okay I'm going to sound like you know anti-climate change and all that but yeah, uh, yeah, back to an era where they're not as clean because let's be honest it does take away from the sport a little bit I mean yeah. Formula 1 cars going around a circuit uh, isn't gonna be the reason if the earth succumbs to climate change or not so I know they're trying to set an example and you know it's it's been huge technological developments for road cars but yeah. it's time Formula 1 stop worrying about road cars and start worrying about being a great sport and the thing is is that you've got we talked briefly about Formula E before we came in here, but you've got yeah. um, countries making moves towards you know banning petrol cars altogether, and um, with Formula E, you know you've got Jaguar in there, Audi are in there, Citroen are in there with Virgin Racing, Mercedes are joining not next season but the season after. Yeah. So you're going to see a migration towards that. And hey, if Ferrari want to bring back a big dirty V12 and <laughs> still finish third behind the two Mercedes cars, then that's absolutely fine. I 
Now, I don't want to sound like the equivalent, the Formula One equivalent of a proper football man and be like, oh, we need to go back to 1989. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's... Um, I don't think we need I, to. I, I think they need to be a little bit cheaper and a little bit less complex for the average casual on your couch fan to, yeah. to grasp. Yeah, because, like, say for your average casual fan tuning into Channel 4 or Sky or wherever they're watching it, yeah. and every single second they're just being shoved, you know, stats... Uh, you know of technical jargon down their down their throats, and you know they're not going to understand. You know if they're they're not going to uh, they're not going to understand what you know a not point five adjustment on the front wing might might mean to mm. the performance of a car. They're just going to be like, oh, they changed the front wing. I just want the Formula One where the engines are not the deciding factor. I want it to be the aero again. Yeah, it's that's the actual. That's the true art of the sport mm. is the yeah. aero, not the engines. And I, I know mean, this is like something that um, was trying to be brought in. Oh, engines are going to be a thing now. But they shouldn't be because at the end of the day, it's just an engine. There's there's not a lot of creativity. There's only one formula that works, and it's the one that Mercedes have. There has been an equalising across this season. Now, admittedly, it's taken uh, like what four years for us to get here. Yeah, and but there has been an equalising more this season. Yeah, I, know, I mean, I know Hans are still miles points, but Ferrari, I think their engine is probably on par with Mercedes now. And Renault, mm, it's still behind. I'd say it's still a little bit behind. It's the, yeah. Ferrari have a better car this year aerodynamically. Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, but their engine is the deciding factor as to why they are not with Mercedes, because they would be otherwise. Mm. And, um, and, and Renault have closed up the gap astronomically. Renault, have, have done yeah. a Renault probably job. have a car as good as Ferrari's, but again, the Renault engine just holding them back, because Monaco is generally the deciding factor as to who has the better car aerodynamically, because engines don't matter diddly squat. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we've seen Ferrari were utterly dominant there. Yeah. The Mercedes car has too long of a, has too long of a wheelbase, mm. it's way too heavy, mm. and it's clunky in tight corners mm. so it struggled yeah. I mean, in Hungary see, as well for example so. you, see, you see the same in Singapore you know the, you know the, the the type of tracks that you know don't have big massive straights like you would in China yeah. or Azerbaijan or America Spa. Abu Dhabi Monza yeah like, you name it the ones the ones where we have big long double DRS overtaken areas are the ones where Mercedes do well the that's thing what is, they did well in Abu Dhabi <laughs> yeah. and actually in fairness we, when you come to the point of um, Singapore for to take it away from a technical perspective and to bring it on to the perspective of the sport that was really the day. lap one Singapore turn one Singapore was yeah. really the turning yeah, point yeah. well it's a shame because actually there was, the still a, there was still a title to fight for definitely 100% yeah. if Vettel wins that race which had he got to turn one in first place he would have like been 90% of the way there because it's Singapore yeah, um, yeah. unfortunate and then technical issues plagued him from then on in and yeah. let's be honest he probably gave up after Japan like yeah, fight was the, his race was run, was run for want of a better word yeah yeah. I mean you could I mean you know the mark of a champion you know Vettel's a four time champion you know you'd, you'd like to think oh he's going to fight until it's mathematically impossible but you know he's only human you know if you're if, if you're like what 40 points behind there's 50 left on the table you're not going to be you're not going to be clambering to he needed Hamilton to DNF twice, essentially. Yeah. Basically, uh, yeah. He needed the, the same bad luck that had befallen him to befall Hamilton. I think once he saw it. Hamilton go down his inside in a uh, quota, yeah. that's when he went. That was it, yeah. It's um, over. It's over. Yeah. But in saying that, you know, Hamilton had a run of extreme bad luck last season and it gifted Nico Rosberg. Yeah, well, well, what comes around, so, what comes yeah. around goes around. Exactly, yeah. Well, I mean, so, it, well, it gifted Nico Rosberg his retirement package is what it did. <laughs> I think it's terrible shame that Rosberg retired because I think he's a much better racer than Bottas. That's yeah, my opinion. I, w- I, would, I, would, I would agree. I'd say Rosberg is a better racer than Bottas. Well, well Hamilton's a better racer than both of them. But. Yeah, 
Ro- yeah, Rosberg. Mm. Rosberg's more kind of well, he's more experienced for one matter. He's more. He's a lot more calculated than Bottas. Bottas yeah. essentially tries to drive on instinct like Hamilton and doesn't do it as well. Yeah, he well, needs to drive more like a Finn. <laughs> yeah, he does. He doesn't yeah. drive like he naturally. When he was with Williams, he was the number one driver. Mm. So he had that. You know, I'm the number one driver. I can be confident. I'm not trying yeah. to beat anybody. If I get beaten. That means they just did really, really well one week. But he's yeah. he knows he's worse than Hamilton. Everybody in Mercedes knows he's worse than Hamilton. He's just there to secure, the, to be the anchor for the constructors. Nobody's expecting him to pick up a driver's title. No, but, he, and, but and we're expecting him to head. finish second, and he's good enough to finish second. There's, yeah. there's nothing may, to stop him may, from doing that. Uh, um, also, what happened at the weekend, he may also be good enough, you know, if the circumstances align, to sneak a first every now and again. Of course, yeah. You know, Rubens Barrichello made a career out of it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Felipe Massa, for the longest time, did as well yeah, actually we, yeah, we, apart from that one season where he almost won the title yeah, yeah, we, yeah we, we were we were talking about that uh, just before we came into the studio about you know Timo, 2008 presenting Grand Prix the, the 2008 presenting Grand Prix and Timo the Timo, Timo Glock it's that Glock but and I've hated Glock ever since because Felipe <laughs> Massa won, deserved that title he, he did yeah he did yeah Um, another um, speaking of I suppose drivers from that era in an odd sort of segue um Will we see Robert Kubica back on the Formula 1 grid next year? He needs to pass the physical, doesn't he? I think he has. Has he? Yeah. To be in those he tests. was testing he was testing for Williams in Abu Dhabi this week. He was in practice. He did a practice session, didn't he? He did, didn't he? Yeah, I, he, did. If you do he, did, he did one of them and uh, Sergei Sorokin did the other. Yeah, if yeah. you do a practice session in an actual Formula 1's uh, weekend, you yeah. have to have, be up to the same medical yeah, standards for a race day. Yeah. And I mean, in fairness, I would love him to because he's it's been like the amount of Misfortune that's he is the, happened to that man. He, he is, is the best driver ever, never to get a real shot at driving a good car. I would say. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, well, the Renault was a great car. Yeah. Well, you're you're taking into well, uh, and the BMW Sauber he won in in Canada yeah. was great car. Oh, but like you're yeah. look you're looking at like you know it's not, yeah it's not it's not there's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot of drivers that can come on in, in modern no, times I, you I, could say Nico Hulkenberg and then the past you can name it a million drivers. Like. I think no, I think it was a testament to the fact that um, Michael Schumacher once said that really sung his praises said this guy is you know really good. Schumacher pu- didn't say that yeah, about yeah, a lot of people yeah. it's why they're pushing him to join Ferrari and then they've got Alonso instead and uh, like, that, 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 there's no there's nothing wrong with getting Alonso instead of Kubica I, yeah, I bought into the Kubica hype when I saw him in Australia in 2009 I want to say with Renault in that, I think it was his first season with Renault no, oh nine was the bad year with Sauber, so it was no, 10, 10. Yeah. When 10 he got into Renault. that Renault two thousand ten, and he had a stormer of a race in Australia, yeah. I, if I remember correctly, I think he might have finished fourth or something like that. He yeah. did because Vettel hit someone on the last lap and took them both out. I remember that. No, that was thousand nine. Sorry, that was thousand nine. Vettel and Barrichello hit each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, around. whatever year it was, uh, I, I, and I saw. I've, I've, from then on in, I was a Kubica fan, and I really. I, in fairness, in fairness, I've been a Kubica fan ever since that win in Canada because it showed that you know he can even with even without a constructors winning car, he's able to win races. Um, this this, re, this remember is a year on from that horrific crash at the same track. at the same track, yeah, uh, and down at the hairpin. And it, it, I almost terrible fate then that it wasn't even Formula One. That caused him this horrific injury. It was yeah, it was yeah. And then, and then, of course, whenever he's looking to come back from his broken leg, he goes and he goes and uh, rebreaks it. Then I know. Yeah, uh, it's it's, it's been a long road back from, but like it has. You know, um, he's the bookie's favorite at the moment. Um, Williams. The reason they kept Felipe Massa on is because they want an experienced driver to show Lance Stroll the ropes. I guess the only other one on the market would be Paul De Resta. 
because they they are looking it's at Sergei. Been a while since he's been in a car. Yeah, uh, well, he took over from Massa. Yeah, yeah, that one race. Did, Canada yeah. was it Canada? So, I think it was Canada. Yeah, but yeah. like I mean, okay, Paul DeResta was was well fancied at Force India, and then he kind of just fell away, which was it was a strange one because he, he I remember him having a, a couple of good races. Mm. Yeah, yeah, India. yeah. If I remember correctly, he, he had like a top six finish in Monza, and he's been but he's been test driver for Williams since he left yeah. Force India. Like he, he's been in and out of the team. Now, in saying that, Narayan Karthik has been in and out of the team. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but. Um, um, yeah, um, so I guess I don't feel well, sorry for him. I, I, I think like, the reasonable option would be kind of like kind of like Pedro Della Rosa was at Sauber uh, towards the end of his career. Right? He's just kind of floating in and out as a test driver and then kind of yeah, jumps yeah. in. Yeah, Kubica would be to, a punt. Like, let's not let's not lie. We don't know. Yeah, where, where if is can he get up to speed? You know, is he good enough? It's hard to tell. Can he match Stroll? Well, because um, the only because the only other one is Sorokin, and realistically, they're not going to go for Sorokin if they still want an experience in beside him. And, um, Speaking of Lance Stroll, actually, what, what, a driver who got a lot of flack at the start, but has actually won me over. Uh, was it in Azerbaijan? Azerbaijan. was he, he was nicked on the line for second. Yeah. By, by, by Bottas. By Bottas. He, he, yeah, yeah. Literally, I, I think it was like in the thousands of a second. Yeah, yeah, it was really close. And Monza, I want to say, he did really well at as well. I think so, yeah. Uh, now, in fairness, Williams. Azerbaijan and Monza are Williams circuits. They are yeah, Williams. The, yeah. the Williams car is literally just like, you know, it's, like a, it's like a shuttle that just goes it can only go on straight lines yeah it's a straight just, line let's go so it's yeah. not surprised. but in, in saying that at those two circuits where you were expecting the Williams to be the best he was the better driver of the two yeah mm, true now is he as adaptable as Felipe Massa was no but yeah, you know, a really weird style on the steering wheel where you like yeah. you take yeah, it's like it's like you're playing F one on a pad and like a pad, and you've got like sensitivity turned up to like ten. Yeah, and and every like, time you turn the analog stick like slightly, it's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is very, it's very strange. But the Williams wheel is very strange as well. So I don't know, maybe it's something. Maybe it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah they're still Williams. using the wheels from like 2010, where you have the little screen and then you have the actual wheel as opposed yeah. to the more modern screen and wheel all yeah. in one. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, like Williams have kind of been you know infamous for doing ridiculous stupid stuff to their car like I remember uh, was it uh, 2004-2005 they had the, the walrus tusks 2004 the big, the big walrus I actually had F104 and I never picked the Williams it was so ugly Yeah, I, um, I actually I always raced for Renault but um, I never ever picked the Williams it and was I'm pretty so sure ugly. a few years ago in Spa they had the, the bucket back wing where they had like a massive like they had the back wing and then a massive dip in the middle of it yeah that was Williams as well yeah, yeah that was Williams as well yeah, they, that, they, was, they, that was promptly got rid of as well yeah, well, they don't have like, the best nope. aerodynamic team but with, um, they're, well they're willing to take risks uh, for one with Paddy Lowe coming in though this season could be a big step up for them yeah someone who's someone been around the game for absolutely years now in fairness yeah. to Paddy Lowe and obviously has a lot of success with Mercedes in, re- in recent times Um so yeah you know it's about assembling the right team and he's step one he's not the be all and end all but he no. is a good step one but I think that could be because look we know they have the engine they mm. have the best engine on the grid they do um, we, we, along with, Marse- with Mercedes but we know they, they never make a great car they always like yeah. make a decent car even on in the their peak of 2015 like Bottas and Massa 14, uh, uh, 14 sorry yeah when yeah. Bottas and Massa were one and two in the in the British Grand Prix I think it was and it was like oh Massa might actually, actually pull fi- it out that, that was 15 yeah yeah um, but Ma- Massa might pull it out 14 where Massa was on pole in Austria yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but like they were never close to the Mercedes that was only because of the Mercedes engine dominance that 
you know, you could have had yeah. four. They, 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 they were given such an initial advantage. It was like a fifteen. It was like you know, give it getting a fifteen second head start in a four hundred meter race. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, they were yeah, just yeah. given such a head start on everybody. Yeah. But as the season went on, they they did get reeled in by Red Bull. Yeah. yeah. The uh, just to just to touch quickly on some of the some of the drivers who were driving for the lesser teams next year. Um, I can't remember. Is Pascal Verlein still with Marussia next year? Marussia, Sauber, you mean? Or, uh, um, yeah, to be honest with you, I'm actually Marussia. not sure because I know they've been rumored to be bringing in Charles Leclerc. Which they didn't make, have him in the yeah. test, which was interesting. Which w- and I mean, bringing in Leclerc would make sense, obviously, with the Ferrari link up that Sauber have had for literally their entire existence. And they're finally getting the, the new era. engine next year, Sauber. Yeah, yeah they, because the Alpha. I think. I think the old Alpha Romeo. The Alpha Romeo. Yeah, the Alpha Romeo. The Ferrari with an Alpha Romeo badge on. Well, Alpha Romeo wearing Formula One by themselves back in the day. Yeah, there was rumors that they were come back in and actually completely take over from Sauber yeah Um, which maybe this is Ferrari's first step at doing that because obviously they're all owned by the Fiat Chrysler company it's all one big umbrella Uh, they um, they actually um, haven't announced anybody officially yet well Verlein wasn't at the test which was interesting and that was noted that he wasn't at the the after Abu Dhabi test but with the money coming into the team that Mercedes are giving them to, to drive Verlein and with no seat available at Force India, which would be the next logical step into a Mercedes engine car, I don't think they're gonna drop Verline. They now, in fairness, I, now they, they might sell themselves to both Mercedes and Ferrari. You know, I've actually heard Verlein that. And Leclerc, but in fact, that's yeah. not a bad talent pool of drivers. It's now. Not, I, I would say, I would say, because like, because oh, the one thing like, because like, Verline was the one driver I think the you know stood out for me last year in terms of the, you know the te- you know the team he was driving for Cyber. They didn't have a great car. They were they were back at the grid most of the time, but he always managed to stand out. Yeah, and sure, like he scored points for um. Yeah, and Manor. Exactly, and yeah. me being a me being a, a a Ferrari fan, I would love to see when when Raikkonen finally does retire. I would like to see Verline take his place because I think he's that good of a talent. I, you I don't know. He's not had a this this season. He's he struggled more than he did in twenty sixteen when, uh, you know. But then again, it's a it's a poor car. Yeah. Okay, finish up next three minutes. Okay. Uh, yeah, it, it, they do have a, a a poor car, so we're in fairness to Verline. But I've actually heard it's not a case of Verline or Leclerc with Ericsson. It's mm. Ericsson or Verline with Leclerc. Is yeah. the rumors I've heard? Yeah. It's going to yeah, be one of those it's two. It's definitely Charles Leclerc is going. Like, and I mean, looking. after his the way he drove in GP two last year, it'd be an absolute sin if Ferrari oh, didn't yeah, get yeah. him into a seat. And it's good to see. And with it that Alfa Romeo branding, it's almost that they're, they're kind of bringing Sorry, not GP2, it's F2 now, sorry. Yes, yes. I know, I, I'll, I'll never, I'll I'll never still, shake I'll, that tag. I would still be calling it GP2 as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Really it's the era we grew up in. Like, I mean, yeah. there's probably people who are like my granddad's age that call GP2 F2. So, you know, same thing. Um, yeah, or like Formula 3 or something. Yeah, for yeah. Formula 3000. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, it's... um. It'll be interesting to see who comes out with that because they're the only drivers other than the second Williams seat that hasn't been confirmed yet. But just to bring it back to Williams, we were saying about the team building exercise, maybe getting the right team around Paddy Lowe. The key about a team building is making sure you have a right number one driver. Is Stroll that guy? No, no, yet. he's not experienced enough. He's still. Can under- he be, though? I, I think in point. two or three, or three years, he will be. Like, look, he, he was younger than Verstappen stepping into that car. Yeah. No, he wasn't. He was no. at the time, but Verstappen was younger getting his yeah, start. Yeah, yeah, he was. Though, young, no, I mean, so. when he stepped in, he was even younger. Like he was, he was younger. He was only eighteen when he stepped into that car. I think eighteen, nineteen. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Verstappen was. Verstappen like, had a year. Verstappen was like seventeen when he started. Yeah, 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 yeah I'm aware of that. 
Um, Sorry, my apologies. Stroll is still super young, so I, th- I think there's potential there with him. Mm. Um, whether he's just there because Williams need money or not, I don't know. But I think last season he proved with a podium finish mm-hmm. that there is talent there. Of course, when he was Euro F3 champion, which is probably the best of the F3 championships around the world because the British ones declined so much. Um, and I got the, the logical move from there is GP2, I know, and he skipped that level. But yeah, there's definitely talent there. There's definitely yeah, he, he needs there. that extra year because he didn't do GP2. He didn't do which, GP2, exactly. Because yeah. so many other drivers do. But often the GP2 drivers, they don't step up when they come in. But sure, you've got career GP2. How long has Sergio Canamassa been in GP2 now? I don't know. Yeah, it's gone about from... seven years. And Harry Anto, before he came to um, uh, Manor, yeah. or Marussia at the time. He was, was in GP2. Was oh, no, it wasn't Manor, yeah. He was in GP2 for donkey's years. Yeah. And actually, Maldonado was in GP2 for donkey's years. He was there at the start. <laughs> when, Nico, when Nico Rosberg oh. was GP2 champion, Maldonado was not going to be. Don't get on Maldonado. Plus, Maldonado, like, the only reason he still had a seat at Williams was because he brought the. the the, the Venezuela the back and, and yeah, then the brought Venezuela that to Renault. Although he did win a Lotus, sorry. Although he did win a race. Let's let's credit him for that. He Pascal he Maldonado is. is a race winner. He was he was he was part of that ridiculous season where the first seven races were won by seven different uh, people. Yeah, yeah, two thousand twelve. I want to say. Yeah, what odds would you have gone on that at the time? I, just, I don't know. Too good. Too good. And then the garbage poured down. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunate. Poor William. Poor Williams. They just win a race. Maldonado wins a race, and then he loses. Just. Yeah, but um, yeah, I guess it, like obviously we're not gonna start throwing out predictions or anything. It's far too early to say that. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, um, you know, to to give an overall review of the season, you know, it's been it's been entertaining. It There's has, been yeah. a lot of bright spots. Esteban Ocon for me has been one. He's been outstanding. Yeah, uh, down at Force India, and yeah, a lot of potential for a lot of entertaining stuff to come on next season. If you're looking forward to Australia, yeah. anyway. Oh, I would, yeah. And I suppose we'll see how the testing goes over the winter months mm. and in Jerez and Catalonia. Catalonia, yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll see We'll see how it goes. And I suppose we'll look forward to next year and we'll hopefully get a, a much more competitive... Oh, I'm absolutely... The, I, 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 the saddest months of my life are January and February and most of March because it's just no Formula 1. It's just... Yeah. Got, it's just a, yeah, it's, yeah. Like the same, you're like, oh, this Christmas, it's fine. But then, you know, I am... I am Come March, I do, I do be absolutely buzzing for Formula yeah. 1. Yeah. French and Grand Prix is coming back too. Buzzing. Yeah, and the German Grand Prix is having its, you know, you know, back forth. So it's this year is a German Grand Prix year, which is always good. Uh, yeah. We are in probably Hockenheim again because... Nuremberg it is Hockenheim, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess that is all we have time this week for the Action Replay Extra Time podcast. My thanks to Luke, to Alex and to Gavin and we'll be back again next week for another podcast so see you then. Thank you. And welcome to Whose Line Is It Anyway, the show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Uh, Hello and welcome to Whose Line Is It Anyway, the show where everything is made up and the points don't matter. Hey, welcome to Whose Line Is It Anyway, the game where everything's made up and the points don't matter. (laughs) Hi, welcome to Whose Line Is It Anyway, the show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. 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 Points that don't matter at all. Hi, welcome to Whose Line Is It Anyway, the show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Uh, thank you. Welcome to Whose Line Is It Anyway, the shows where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Uh, shut up. Uh,